Hey, leaders and managers, Marcel here. If you haven't heard, my leadership development course is now in full swing and it's getting great reviews. It's called From Boss to Leader. And if you like the theme of the podcast, hey, you're going to love this course. It's intended for emerging leaders and managers that want to learn real leadership competencies, the everyday stuff that you need in order to engage and inspire and motivate your team for a high performance. I'd love to personally speak with you and get to know your current situation to see if you're a good fit for the course. To learn more about the From Boss to Leader course, visit my website, marcelschwantes.com, and click on Virtual Training. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to another episode of the Love in Action podcast. Glad you are here. Please share this episode with someone in a leadership or management role. And hey, if you like today's show, do us a favor and drop us a positive review and maybe even a five-star rating on iTunes. We would be grateful for that. So if you're a longtime listener, you know that I often feature executives and CEOs of major corporations that, that believe, as I do, that a great company culture where people are taken care of and, and develop and excel as human beings is a true competitive advantage. Culture, as the saying goes, is king. And one of those companies that I've been writing about now for years, I mean, I referenced them in my Inc. articles, in my online course, and in my speaking engagements, is the WD-40 company. Go into your garage right now or, or look under your kitchen sink. Chances are you're going to find a can of WD-40 in there. It's an iconic brand that we cannot live without. And, and that's just one in a line of maintenance products and home care and cleaning products that the company offers. So the chief architect and CEO of the WD-40 company for the last 25 years has been Gary Ridge and you know someone that I I deeply respect and admire I've had a conversation with Gary in the past Gary is truly a pioneer of the servant leadership philosophy and really the catalyst for shaping the WD40 tribe as they call their employees and so this global company tribe has been ranked as one of the top workplaces they've won numerous awards and you know, in the age of the great resignation and quiet quitting, WD-40 continues to have one of the highest employee retention and employee engagement, uh, you know, numbers in, in the world. So Gary is also a global thought leader. You know, he's written books and he speaks and he's often quoted all over the place. I mean, he's the subject of case studies and really has been the face of the company. So since I follow Gary Ridge, I got wind that Gary announced his retirement back in March of this year. And obviously those are some very big shoes to fill. So when they announced Gary's successor, I'm thinking, hey, 
anyone that takes the helm of a company like WD-40 from a pioneer like Gary Ridge has got to have some kind of leadership skills. And they have to be an incredible leader themselves. So because, you know, this person I'm thinking is going to have to continue to grow this this global WD-40 brand worldwide during a period dominated by inflation. And we're still dealing with the, the disruptions caused by the pandemic. And on top of that, of course, oh, yeah, they're going to have to sustain this incredible culture that we know and love. So on September 1st of this year, just a couple of months ago from this recording, Steve Brass, who served as the company's president and chief operating officer since 2019, took over for Gary Ridge. And I knew right then, we need to get him on the show, really to not not only learn more about him, but but also explore his leadership ideas. But I, I want to get in the, you know, the, the inside edge on how Steve is going to continue to leverage this, this WD-40 culture that is globally known. And I also want to learn some lessons from Steve that we can pass on to you about leadership, succession planning, and really building a culture that people are proud of, that people can't wait to come to work, you know? Steve Brass has been with the company since 1991, and as I mentioned most recently, as president and COO. He was responsible for the day-to-day operations of all three of the company's operating segments, as well as its global brand and digital strategies. The new president and now CEO of the WD-40 company now joins us. Steve Brass, welcome to the Love & Action Podcast. Thank you, Marcel. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Steve. And uh, I so appreciate you coming on the show just to share with everything that, uh, you know, that has transpired up to this point. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit offline, you and I were, and I asked, I asked you if you had done any interviews and I did my Google, my Google search. I didn't find anything, anyone interviewing you or you being on any podcast. So this might be actually your first one since being assigned uh, in, in the role of CEO. So I am just geeked up about this. <laughs> All right, Steve. So here's, w- we have a kickoff question uh, for listeners to get to know a little bit about you. You ready? I'm ready. What's your story? So my story is I'm a, 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 an Englishman, um, a Yorkshireman from the north of England. Uh, I was brought up in a small village in Yorkshire, population 1,000. The humans were outnumbered by the sheep, right? <laughs> um, um, early on in my life, I kind of discovered a, a passion for learning. And I had, like a lot of people, I had an inspirational teacher that uh, recognized my talent for, for languages, Mrs. Hall. Um, and I just really loved learning and getting into languages. So I learned uh, French and German and uh, went on to university and studied those languages went on to live in both France and Germany and got that wonderful cultural experience, set up businesses for WD-40 in those places. Um, and so that's kind of, that was, you know, my first job was kind of international sales and using my languages. And I was kind of an introverted guy when I was younger and that, so that still stays with me today. And I, I developed these kind of alter egos. I could become, in French, I'd become uh, Etienne, <laughs> the, the Latin lover. And uh, in German, I was Stefan, the guy who got stuff done. So uh, that was kind of some of my formative uh, experiences. And here we are, 35 years on, um, 
you know, I'm just so humbled. Seven years in, seven years, seven weeks into my uh, my new role as CEO of this truly wonderful company. So yeah, it's been a great journey to uh, get here. It, you know, and it's truly a global company because I mean, it is an American brand, is it not? The WD40 company. It is. It was invented back in 1953 in San Diego, California. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And and Gary being the uh, being the the consummate Australian still has not lost his accent. Um, you know, has been the CEO and now. You are an Englishman that takes over for the Aussies, so it's quite a global conglomerate. Yeah, and there's a little history between those two there as well. Huh? But, uh... <laughs> Maybe we can get into a little bit of history, but <laughs> I wanted to, um, you know, I, I just I feel like like, and I'm I gave my tribute to to Gary at sort of in the introduction, but I want to continue to talk a little bit about the the impact that Gary had on the company, maybe you as a, as a person as well. So share a little bit about, you know, what, what did you learn from Gary all these years and maybe how did Gary help you become the leader that you are today? Ooh, I mean, that is, uh, that is how long you got, right? So yeah. uh, Gary, Gary Ridge has been a mentor to me since I was 25 years old. So um, the culture of WD40 company wasn't always the culture we have today. And mm. Gary has crafted that over two and a half decades. So I met Gary when I was a 25-year-old uh, young man, and he put his arm around me and told me that he'd been asked by the then CEO, Jerry Schleif, to uh, to watch out for me and take care of me. And ever since then, I really feel that Gary's had his arm around me and, and lots of other people in the company as well and has taken care of me. And he's just this guy who um, always walked the talk, right? So a, yeah. a lot of leaders, you know, you know, they talk about values. They put the values up on the wall, but they don't really demonstrate them. Gary was just this wonderful example of how to walk the talk and mm. demonstrate and, and, and embody and bring to life the values of the organization. So, yeah, he, he you know, his work ethic, um, his fun, right? Some of the rigisms um, that he developed. I, I, you know, so many things he taught me over the years. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know where you want to take it, but uh, many different directions. Just a wonderful role model for a young leader to, to have. Yeah. You know, and I think it's fair to say, Steve, that, that Gary was really a, a celebrity in the business world. That's kind of how I saw him through my lenses, because a lot of the research I've done, uh, so many places I've bumped into Gary on, on you know, in the literature, people talking about the culture and his leadership style. You know, he co-wrote a book with Ken Blanchard. So some people may have this this the same expectations of you to to be out there in the spotlight but you're your own guy so how are you going to deal with this and being sort of you know cast under the shadow of of, of gary and his legacy so i think when you inherit a, a situation right as a new ceo you have to kind of analyze the situation it's very very clear to me that my role is about sustaining success going forward right there's there's nothing that needs to be fixed it's really about just taking this wonderful business this wonderful culture and building on this huge legacy. So I think, you know, I bring, what, what do I bring to it? I'm a different individual to Gary. I'm a, you know, Gary's this hugely charismatic individual and you have to play to your own strength. So um, with me, you know, I think it's it's just a, a waste of time to try and even, you know, fill Gary's shoes, right? He's like, it's yeah. impossible to do. You're going to lose. Um, so I'm much more about a, a team and a distributed leadership uh, team and and building a strong team around me who can make me uh, look better than I am. That's the goal. Yeah. 
One of the uh, one of my favorite Gary moments is the you know and and listening to all his interviews and podcasts and I, I bumped into this one he uh, you know you you're right he is a very charismatic dude but at the same time he's one of the most humble leaders that I know and uh, and he said that uh, the the three most powerful powerful words a leader will ever say are I don't know. And did you get, have you heard him t- talk about that? I don't oh, know. And, and that's such a- every week. So one of the big things Gary and I do have in common is, is a learning. We're obsessed with learning. Um, yeah. Gary would always, I mean, a man rose at 3 a.m. every day, right? So he'd have the early hours. And I tried to do the same. I tried to dedicate an hour to learning every single day. And the morning is the best time. And I think from my own experience and, and linking back to Gary, you know, I see learning as a source of humility because, you know, to take the old kind of Albert Einstein kind of adage, right? The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think that was true of, of Gary. Gary made a, a journey, right? So I remember meeting the young Gary Rich. He was very results focused, much less people focused than he became in his later years. So Gary made a journey as well, just like many of us do. I bet. I bet. All right. I want to ask you what what was your favorite Gary Rich moment? <laughs> well, let's go back to the uh, so the fun moment. So, I mean, there's been many in terms of education, but a fun moment with Gary was uh, when I was a young guy and I was I was rising up the ranks. I was with Gary and another Australian colleague in a German restaurant, and um, he said, "We want you to become an honorary Australian." And I'm like, "What do you mean? You want me to become an Australian?" It's like, "Well, you British guys, you sent all those Aussies, you know, to prison in Australia, and what you have to do, you have to go, you have to go to the other table over there." in the restaurant and steal some bread. And you have to go on your hands and knees and then climb up and steal some bread. So <laughs> I had to go through this embarrassing ritual of going over to the table next to us, these eight or nine Germans looking shocked at me, reaching up, stealing their bread and going back to my table. So uh, <laughs> I think that just talks to his sense of fun. He had a great sense of fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I want to transition to more serious matters in in the in respect to this this whole succession planning strategy that uh, you know for you it's probably been in the works now for i don't know years maybe but so uh, you know i, I want to be able to use this as a way to educate other leaders especially those up in the c-suite right because i think that not enough attention i believe is is paid to the process of succession planning but it, it also steve has to be done done the right way because you know sometimes in transitions if it's not properly executed, the, then the, the culture suffers, right? So speak to high-level leaders, um, maybe of growing companies, about the importance of succession planning. So that, that's the, the why of it. And then how do we do it? How do we craft an effective succession plan? Sure. So I think it starts, I mean, I actually prefer the term talent management to succession mm. planning. And I think that's where it starts. If you have a, if you kind of have an approach to the business that look, you want to develop all of the talent about the organization. You want to give all the, you know, tribe mates as we call ourselves, you know, give all your employees opportunities to learn and grow. It kind of starts there. And then, you know, as opportunities, the business grows and opportunities appear, you know, you'll identify the talent and that's linked to ambition and what people's ambitions are too. And you, have an ongoing dialogue with individuals, and we have a great process for that at uh, WD40 Company. So it starts with talent management, but for this for the top job, I mean, I can re- relate to my own experience, and from my experience of moving through to CEO, the top job, 
Um, it could not have been done better. It was started eight years ago. Mm. Um, so very deliberate process. You know, I had one of those conversations with Gary. It was, uh, Steve, what if? Whenever Gary started a conversation with what if, you were always you knew something was coming, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what if you were to move to the US? And what if you were to be successful? And would you be interested in potentially taking over from me one day if you were successful? So, um, and then from there, um, a very deliberate process by Gary, which is very hard, I imagine. So I think of the when the time comes for me, and I'm eight, nine years away from retirement, so I'm already thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting early, um, you know, I think, you know, they had multiple candidates. It wasn't just me. We had multiple candidates um, uh, for, for, for succession to CEO. But then when you identify kind of the one giving them, and Gary just gave away parts of his job over multiple years, and then was just so generous in his teaching uh, with me over the past uh, five or six years in particular. Incredible. Yeah, that's great. Because that, to me, that speaks to the servant leadership philosophy again, exactly. that you know, Gary was able to expose you to different areas and stretch your development, even you know years before to kind of get you prepared. I don't know, Steve, it sounds to me like he already knew it was going to happen. <laughs> years ago, he already knew, no, 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 it's going to be Steve. <laughs> Well, I actually thought, you know, 25 years ago, when he put his arm around me. Yeah, you know, he always yeah. he always invested in certainly in the European business, not just me. And gave I had because of that growth, I had opportunities to grow as an individual, and I was just always given opportunities to grow. And that's why I stayed with the company. It's having opportunities to learn and grow. And whether it was setting up our business, moving to Germany and living there for five years, or I mean, after six months with the company, I was given the opportunity to launch our French direct business as a 25-year-old. I mean, incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. I recall uh, back in my younger uh, career development days, I worked for a staffing company back in the 90s. And I do recall the the co-founder, he was the, I, I think he was the, the president at the time. Um, he would go around to every branch. He would basically travel and visit every branch to talk talk with the high performers, the, the top producing people that were, you know, account managers and, uh, and and senior level recruiters, you know. And all he was doing basically is he was he was formulating, okay, who's going to be who's going to be the the people that I want to move into, you know, into those executive roles. And they had identified which people they wanted to talk to at every branch, right? It, it, they were the top producers. And I happened to be one of them at the time. And I remember him sitting down and, and talking to me about what are your, what are your interests uh, about running your own branch and running your own company, being an entrepreneur and all that. And at that time, I didn't have an interest in actually you know, running my own branch. I just wanted to just run my desk and, and produce, right? And uh, and and so later, I I understood the the method to his madness, if you will, is that he was you know looking at his succession plan, because five five years after that, um, he moved to a different role, and and sure enough, somebody that was groomed from an account manager role went up, became a branch manager, then a district manager, et cetera, and moved into that role. Um, and so, yeah, that speaks to succession planning. It is a strategy that has to start early in the game and, uh, you know, and you have to identify those high potentials really early on to see if they may, may even have an interest, you know, put your arm around that person and probe and explore whether they are indeed that they have an interest in, in becoming and groomed into a leader. 
Yeah, and I think another part of it that Gary introduced. So you know, his, his kind of philosophy of um, you know, um, help me, uh, help me get an A, don't mark my paper, right? I mean, that's a critical thing. And so the the appraisal process that Gary introduced for the company is just wonderful. Every three months, you sit down with your coach, you write your own appraisal. You only write one appraisal, right? And it's it's your own. Yeah. And uh, you have a dialogue, right, about um, you know performance, how, how you can help that person achieve an A. And then once a year, a formal, we have a formal process for succession planning. But also once a year, at least we sit down, it's like, you know, with each individual, you know, how do I help you grow? What are your ambitions? Are you geographically mobile? All of those things. So we're having that regular dialogue informally, but as part of a process. And that's a big part of it. too. Yeah. So you just touched on a few things about the culture. And we can't have a conversation about the WD-40 company if we don't mention the culture. So let's transi- transition there. I I have a, a an understanding of what Gary would say about the culture, but I want to hear it in your own words now, Steve. Okay, what makes the WD-40 company culture so special and, and a competitive advantage? Sure. So I think there's multiple aspects to that. Uh, the mm. first thing is, you know, we have uh, clearly articulated and lived values, and the, the critical piece is in living them and leaders demonstrating them. So part of that appraisal process is every quarter, Every employee, every tribe mate in the world uh, writes down how they're demonstrating the value, how they have demonstrated the values in the past quarter, and that's a conversation they have with their coach. Mm. Servant leadership mindset is is critical. Um, you know, suppressing your ego, putting people first, putting others first. Um, you know, I'm a big believer, and I know Gary was of the inverted organization where the CEO is at the bottom of the uh, the pyramid, and then all of our stakeholders we serve, serve come above us. So we're the CEO is at the bottom of the organizational structure and we're there to serve all the stakeholders. So I think that servant leadership mentality is a big part of it. We are a global business with the United Nations, if you like. We have mm. business in 176 countries. We have people in 18 countries now, I believe, around the world. So this huge cultural melting pot. Yeah. Um, we have one of the true global brands as well, uh, consistently executed around the world. One of the... Uh, the best, uh, most widely distributed brands as well. Uh, a journalist once commented that you never, you never more than eight foot away from a rat or a can of WD forty. And I think there's, uh, yeah, there's some truth to that. Huh? Yeah, um, we have um, a very high engagement, ninety three percent last score. So our people, um, you know, they love the company. They stay with the company. We create an environment for them to learn and grow. We have a long-term focus, which is quite rare, I think. You know, Gary was a big fan of Simon Sinek and his infinite game. And, right. you know, this clear purpose we have of creating positive, lasting memories. Um, and then this focus on long-term development of people who tend to stay with us. So our ad- average tenure is uh, is eight years for, uh, for employees. But we have many, many leaders who stay. I mean, I'm 31 years. We have many, many leaders who've stayed decades with the company. So that's... Special in terms of consistency over time, right? Yeah. Um, so leaders, leaders staying a long time and then learning. And in particular, I think Gary's um, culture of uh, of learning moments, right, is one of the greatest things is in terms of his legacy. This psychological safety created by the culture of the learning moment. We don't mis- make mistakes at WD40. We have learning moments. And it kind of sets you free. It's like, okay, coach, I had a learning moment again, right? And yeah. we talk about, you know, what happened and then how we can do better next time. And it's it's a it's a learning process. It's not a blame game. It's a learning process. And that's yeah. 
I'm so glad you mentioned the learning, sort of the learning culture. You know, uh, the evidence asserts that um, one of the top reasons why employees come to your company is because they're seeking career growth, career development, right? They want to grow as not only employees, but also as human beings, right? And it's one of those innate desires that I think every human being has, you know, it's to have that, that sort of growth mindset. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons why people stay with your company as long as they eight years. That is astounding to me, Steve. And that's because they keep growing and developing, right? And so you have always afford them that opportunity to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Going back to the point you made earlier about, you know, Gary's kind of phrase of, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fundamental to this as well. And just kind of shows humility and when I moved to the US um, six years ago, I had a phrase I, I hadn't really heard in Europe very much. And the phrase was, all of us are smarter than any one of us. Mm. And I really deeply believe that's true. And I think that really underpins servant leadership. It's just suppressing your ego, asking other folk for their opinions and having the discipline to seek out others' opinion because you may learn something, right? And you may come up with a better solution than you had, right? So you know, take it back to Simon Sinek's kind of leaders speak last, right? But you have to force yourself as a leader to seek others' opinions and keep your own opinions to yourself and speak last. Perfect. Steve, I want to have you, again, speak to leaders and this time, not just, uh, you know, people up in the C-suite, but maybe a middle manager, uh, you know, in the trenches. And they're trying to balance this whole thing. How, How do I engage my employees while at the same meeting, my numbers, et cetera. Can you give them a lesson on on kind of building a positive people first culture like WD-40? I mean, is there a first step? Um, so I think the learning piece is a huge part of it. Um, and kind of the mantra that I'm kind of bringing to the business as we kind of build on Gary's legacy is about, you know, learning faster to grow faster. And I know for our, I can't talk about other companies. I'm kind of, you know, institutionalized. I've been here 31 years, so I can yeah. talk about our experience. And I know young people coming into our organization. So we've created um, uh, different squads around the world, kind of loose squads outside of people's functional roles. For example, on things like digital transformation and e-commerce, and the most recent one is an omnichannel squad. And you can see in these, particularly the younger individuals who they love being part of something bigger than themselves, right? And Gary used to talk about that all the the time, right? So he used to say, you know, you're born into a family, you join a team for weekly sport, but a tribe is a place you belong. And I think, you know, finding somewhere you belong, if you're a learner, and they're the kind of people we want to join WD-40 Company, people who can learn and grow, then... You know, that kind of belonging and feeling part of something bigger than yourself with a a really clear purpose, which for WD-40 is creating positive, lasting memories and everything we do. And that's a recipe for for people staying in your company. That's great. Steve, I want to transition to talking about leadership in in the pandemic, all those lessons that so many of us learned uh, literally overnight. And and, and maybe uh, tying into great resignation, that was uh, sort of a, a, a cause of the pandemic. So, you know, flashback to March 2020. And uh, what would you say for you were the biggest lessons you've learned, Dan, as a leader looking back? I would say it was a, possibly one of the periods of the biggest learning in my entire life. Mm. Um, everything changed. 
Um, you know, you had to you had to motivate the, the 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 troops. You had to first of all, you had to kind of make sure we were we were safe, right? Just from a cash flow point of view, and yeah. so we worked all the scenarios on the you know what ifs and you know how to guarantee kind of the cash flows to keep the business going. And we're grateful that we have a very very solid business and a very very strong brand that tends to perform very well in kind of recessionary periods. But then there was just I think the thing that surprised us the most. So taking you know, learning the digital ways of working, you know, the Zoom, the, the Teams, you know, we, we really adopted that. And so from kind of a change to lifestyle, from somebody like myself traveling 70% of the time beforehand to much, much less, and I, you know what, I'm never going back there, right? <laughs> uh, you have to get out and see your people, you have to travel, but there's a limit. And I think the days of traveling 70% are just gone now, right, because we have right. these digital tools. Um, but I think we were all just positively amazed by our capacity as kind of tribe mates and human beings to adapt right? mm. and just find ways, whatever was thrown at us, just to pivot. And I think looking back at the pandemic, I think it's going to be one of the biggest periods of learning we've ever had. And the agility we've learned by pivoting on a kind of daily basis just to meet the challenges of the pandemic has just been incredible. And, and we're a better business because of it, no question. Yeah, yeah. So then as a result of the pandemic, all of a sudden now we're we were thrust into this kind of a new well, some people say it's not new. I'm talking about the great resignation. It's just kind of a relabel of something that we've we've dealt with, maybe not you guys, but uh, you know, that is the lack of uh of of engagement or disengagement in the workplace. Uh, but it's it became a we we saw it through some new eyes where people realized that. They didn't have to work in toxic work cultures. They, um, you know, chose to go where they felt like they had purpose and meaning in in the work that they did. So, talk about the challenges that maybe you faced um, as a company during that great resignation. We're still seeing it now. And and how did you guys address it? Well, so this is going to sound very arrogant, but we <laughs> haven't, we haven't really we haven't really suffered from it. So our, our retention rates haven't moved. Right. We have um, employee turnover between four and eight percent. It's been that forever, um, depending on the market. So we haven't seen any big change. And I think, if anything, we're a net benefiter because people are looking for great cultures. They're looking for great places to work. They're looking at places where they can join and learn and grow and develop themselves. And, and we offer that. And actually, our market, I mean, I look at the United States, our market has increased because we've got our own, our own kind of limitations of you have to be based in san diego it's like no you don't we've got all these remote tools now we can yeah. we're picking up talent from you know chicago or midwest wherever um so i think you know for for the likes of us it's it's really strengthened us as a business right? yeah this is very key steve for me because you know we're talking about gallup tracking employee engagement data for you know three four decades the story really hasn't changed is what you're telling us in companies that have great cultures. It's just that they just kind of repackaged this with a new headline called the great resignation. Hmm. But if there was no great re resignation, I would ask you the same thing about, you know, how do we flip the, you know, kind of flip the thing around from a disengaged workforce to a, to an engaged workforce, you would tell me the exact same thing, right? Regardless of, great resignations or quiet quittings. It still comes down to, are you taking care of the people, growing them, developing them and giving them a great place to work? I mean, to me, that's, that speaks to common sense, but it's not common practice. 
No, and it starts with servant leadership. It starts mm. with leaders, you know, mastering their own egos. And we've all got to go through mm. that journey. Yeah. You've got to suppress your own ego and put other people first. And that is the, you know, p- leaders that don't do that and who are still imposing hierarchical, out of date, old fashioned leadership styles. And they're the businesses that are struggling today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to transition to, to some fun stuff, Steve. So let's have a little bit of fun here at your expense. <laughs> In researching for the show, I um, stumbled into a website that talked about WD-40 having its own fan club, and they listed more than 2,000 purposes for the product, including, in one case, removing pythons from a bus in Thailand. So tell us, what are some of the best and maybe least known WD-40 tricks and hacks that, that it's going to help us in our garages, in our kitchens, uh, you know, in our workshops. Sure. So uh, we get, you know, lots of, it used to be letters, right? But these days it's on social media, people posting. And that's one of the, you know, it's just a pleasure to, this kind of storytelling uh, that happens online is just a great vehicle now to listen to. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple of, I mean, there's a couple of uses that we don't recommend, right? We get people riding in they use it for arthritis right they use it for their joints to make their joints uh, recover that is not a recommended use <laughs> by uh by wd-40 yeah i think my orthopedic would not appreciate that <laughs> exactly but people tell us they use it which is kind of weird um you know some of the cool ones um you know you can remove crayon marks so if your kids are crayoning and you get on your paint wd-40 is great at removing crayon marks wow from walls okay uh, is one thing Removing car bugs, so you get bugs, you get flies or bugs on your on your car, on your um, you know, on your headlights or on your your your, uh, your car. W forty remove bugs from the car as well. Mm. So the, there's a couple of cool ones. That That's have. that. Yeah, oh, I love that. Well, I have a nine year old, so I'm gonna take you up <laughs> on the crayons. <laughs> so Steve, as we wind down here, I pose you the leadership love question. It's tradition on the show. So of all the servant leadership ideas and uh, things that we discussed or maybe didn't cover yet, in your own words, how do we lead with love day in and day out? So I think for me, my personal journey, it's been about kind of involvement and mastering my ego. And this point about, you know, all of us really are smarter than any one of us. I think there's a risk when you get the big title and the big package that, you know, you automatically assume you're the smartest person in the room. And in my case, at least, that has very rarely been true. Mm. Um, so take the time to seek others' opinions, to, um, you know, to involve others. So one of the first things I did as CEO, I went out on a global listening tour and I asked people, yeah, put me a video together, give me your three wishes. If you were in my role, what would you do? And then give me one barrier that you'd like me to remove. And just the power of that. I mean, I've got hours worth of videos from the tribe around the world. And that is just so incredible, right? And, you know, I'm reminded of an old African proverb, which I absolutely love, which is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And I think that's a pretty, you know, my leadership journey, I think that's a summary from being a young, kind of arrogant, ambitious, results-focused leader to just realize and it's all about the people and just stop yourself and ask for others' involvement, others' opinions, and you will make better decisions if you do. Ah, Love it. Steve, we bring it home with two questions as we do with every guest. Personally, what's really tugging at your heart right now 
that that you'd like us to know? So um, I think it's the point about hierarchical leadership, and it's just it's just it's time to consign it to the history books. And you know, this is a movement, Marcel. You know, you, you're yeah. you're part of it. We work another organization called the Institute for Real Growth. I brought them into the business with a program for humanized growth that we're running internally. So I think this hierarchical leadership, this ego-driven leadership is out of date. Uh, there's a movement going on. There's many people who are leading that movement, such as yourself, and many leaders like myself who absolutely buy into it. So I'm glad to be part of that movement. It's a force for good. It's a force for people. And, you know, the world needs uh, needs more of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, love-based uh, leadership. I, uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, same here. That's why we do what we do. We got to keep banging on that drum, Steve. Finally, you close us out your way, as all guests do, with that one key takeaway from this discussion, something to inspire us all. I think, you know, it would be back to Gary's leadership. And, you know, I'm so grateful to him. And that one thing that he really gave the company is a culture of the learning moment. And if, if, if listeners take away one thing from this, uh, this podcast, it's the importance of psychological safety, of being able to, you know, have learning moments versus making mistakes. It's a really subtle but very, very important point at WD40, and it absolutely underpins our culture, our continual improvement, and the way we learn as a business. So that would be the one thing I think I'd leave you with. Perfect. Yeah, it's no coincidence we we started with Gary and we ended with Gary. So <laughs> another way to pay tribute to the man. So if people want to connect with you, Steve, where can they go? They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so Steve Brass, CEO of W40 Company, they can find me on LinkedIn. So that's the best place to find me. I had a blast hanging out with you today. Thanks for spending the time and inspiring us. And best of luck in, in your new role leading the company forward. Thank you, Marcel. Appreciate it. Thank you. For yeah. time. Keep the conversation going on social media and comment on this episode with hashtag love in action podcast. And as always, look for the show notes for this episode on my website, marcelschwantes.com. And finally, hey, we're always looking for sponsors to help spread the love in action movement globally. If you have an interest, reach me on my website or find me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and watch your business grow.